welcome to the Your Message Received podcast. And now, taking your message to the finish line, your host, John Duffin. Hey folks, John Duffin here, Duffin Media, and welcome back to Your Message Received. Your Message Received is the podcast to help find your business voice. Get what you want, find what you need, move the conversations further along, increase your odds of success. That's what we're doing, and this is all with your voice. This is using your voice, using your communication ability, again, to drive success forward. That's what we're here to do. So welcome back to another edition. And this is where today also business gets personal. And that's what gets fun for me. I have a very special guest on today. So in addition to having originally a side hustle of written home technology consultants, I've also got one of the founders and chief growth officer of Ethos Treatment. Um, he also happens to be an audiobook narrator. He happens to be an avid golfer, a podcast contributor. Oh, and he happens to be husband of one of my all-time favorite, favorite people and the father of somebody you probably may be following. Oh, and he ran past me in Big Sur. Folks, welcome Garth Reed. Nice to have you, pal. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me on. Great to be here. Oh, my God. My pleasure. My pleasure. I was just thinking of you as well, too. And one of the reasons, as I had shared before, that it was so important to me to have you is, as it stands to voice, it's your voice in a number of ways that has helped shape me. And I would rather just assume work forward and and march backward a little bit as well, too. So what I was thinking is this, in terms of the marching forward, the way that we're speaking today, folks, the equipment, the sound, the everything is strictly because Garth set this up for me. And that was one of the reasons this was so important that I have Garth here, not just that he's my friend, but all of the technology is centered around that. Uh, do you remember that experience of lugging all this heavy equipment around my apartment? I do. I do. But it's, it is really only fair first, John, to say that, well, I, I might have played a hand in the technology setup. Uh, none of that would have been possible without my friend John <laughs> having the courage to pursue a dream. You know, and I think that's what's, what's really important for, you know, you're great at uh, tooting everyone else's horn. Mm -hmm. Uh, but your own, you know, I, I remember when, when this was, was just that it was a dream, you know, and, and we have a friend that always says, uh, you mm -hmm. know, uh, a goal without a plan is a dream. And so dream. you had a dream, mm -hmm. you had a dream, mm -hmm. but then you made a plan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I played a part in that plan, uh, mainly, uh, you know, on the technology side and, uh, I couldn't be happier to have had that small role, but, uh, but yeah, I remember, uh, you know, assembling, uh, soundproof boards and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, drilling holes in your wall and hanging, <laughs> hanging a uh, soundproof material and running cables. And, uh, you know, our technology experience obviously goes back, uh, well before that, you know, on a, on a personal level. And, and that's something that's just always kind of been a passion of mine. I, I appreciate you mentioning, uh, written home technology consultants, which was a, you know, I guess kind of is now a little bit of a defunct side hustle, uh, 
just, uh, it's amazing. The, the side hustles that kind of go by the wayside when you have a child, <laughs> you know, right. uh, schedules change, you know, mm-hmm. schedules change, uh, sleep schedules certainly change. And uh, being able to drive downtown at eight o'clock at night to help a friend out with some technology is suddenly a little bit heavier ask uh, when there's a little one in the picture. Well, thank God you gave me such a great setup for that. I'm just laughing because I really was acting like the old school cartoons. They used to call it damsel in distress. So I can be like, okay. Garth, I need you to wind my watch. Uh, Garth, I need you to... (laughs) And that is true, by the way, except for the winding part, which shows you how little I'm remembering about technology. Um, But set my watch for me. One of the more embarrassing moments, and you brought up that friend. I can picture the look on that friend's face as he gleefully told a bunch of people that we know, oh my God, he 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 had to take the tag off a chance watch or he would have never said it (laughs) and so thank you that i know how to tell time i'm very grateful for that um but the reminder and i loved that reminder because it's one of those things in terms of communicable skills that i was really uncomfortable sharing that dream i was really selective in terms of who I spoke with and in terms of part of the communication that I think about. It's it's the ability to be able to read people. It's the, no pun intended, the ability to be (laughs) able to, um, to be able to hear properly and make someone comfortable enough that you can turn a dream of someone's into a plan and uh, like helping them execute the plan is what I was going to get at. And yeah. my question was in terms of the tech experience, and as you brought up a side hustle and all, and, and to me, the reminder is that actually, in my mind, yeah, it helped get the business going. It also escalated the friendship. And that was probably one of the biggest benefits of that side hustle to me. So, you know, yeah. Um, clearly yeah. was more time with you how did you set that up what like in terms of what gave you the thought that people need this sure sure so uh the original idea for for written home uh you know which was a uh a domain name i'd registered probably over 10 years ago as you know i used to live near you and we lived in the well you still do and and i used to live in the written house uh, neighborhood of Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, every, everything's written house, this written house, that, and it just came upon me that what a, a more personalized, you know, a home is to a house, right? A home is more personal mm-hmm. than, than just a house, right? A home can be anything. So I registered the name written home and kind of sat on that domain for a while and didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, and then basically the, the first impetus was, uh, it was two things. Um, one was my own mother. So my mother uh, lives in central Pennsylvania, where I was born and raised. And uh, at the time, she only had two grandchildren. Uh, and they both live, uh, you know, with my brother and his wife uh, outside of Boston, you know, about 400 miles away. And, uh, you know, when when my mom's granddaughters were born, it was, you know, one of the biggest parts of her life. And just due to the the geographical distance, it was hard for her to see her granddaughters, you know, maybe three, four times a year. Um, and I got the idea, you know, this was probably eight, nine years ago, uh, we could get my mom connected with Skype. You know, it's funny video chatting and, and FaceTime and Skype and Zoom and me, you know, it's all so prevalent now, but it really wasn't that long ago that, that it was not something people regularly did. 
Uh, but we got my mom set up with with Skype and my my brothers. My brother's the true technical hero mm-hmm. uh, in the in the family, um, you know. But more of the silent, strong type technical guy. But you know, he had Skype on a on a tablet or a, a laptop, and we got my mom set up, and it changed her life. Right? She went from seeing her granddaughters once every three months to seeing them every Saturday morning. You know, mm. um, and seeing how that technology just Im- impacted and, and provided you know uh, real value. To, to her on a daily basis. And then I started, uh, I was, I was dating my wife, you know, around that time as well and started, you know, doing little things for her parents, you know, and introducing them to little things, you know, my, my mother-in-law, you know, at the time is my girlfriend's mom and I was probably still trying to impress her and, uh, you know, got her set up the Roku. She enjoyed watching some British television. And so I got her set up, you know, she was watching it on her iPad and she said about how, her neck was sore from lying in bed and trying to hold her iPad. And, and I said, well, why don't you, why don't you watch it on TV? And she said, well, how do I do that? You know? And so I got her a Roku or, or some mm-hmm. streaming device. I think the first one was a Roku and a subscription to the Eggcorn channel. And before you knew it, she was able to enjoy, you know, content and, and programming, you know, from the luxury of her big TV, not just holding it in a little iPad in her hand. So, you know, like, you know, a lot of things in my life and I know in your life, uh, what really spawned the idea to start mid home was just this, this desire to try and help people, mm. you know, and, and, uh, I'm, I'm not a doctor, you know, I haven't gone to, to med school. I'm not, I'm not performing surgeries. I can't, can't help people in that tremendous way. But I think, I think all of us, you know, if we look and don't even have to look that hard, we can find small ways to help people that'll bring a positive impact to their life. And so the original idea for written home was, you know, I felt that the, in the baby boomer generation, there was a lot of value to be added to, to the lives of those people through the increased adoption of technology. And with technology, there's, there's, a, there's a barrier sometimes, especially with age. There's a fear, right? People don't understand it. And there's an embarrassment of not wanting to ask about it. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, it was, you know, I knew how to set the VCR to record when my parents didn't, you know, and, and now I'm sure there's things that my nieces you know, my, my teenage nieces definitely know technological things that even I'm probably clueless to, you know, but this idea of let's start a company or, you know, a side hustle, right. Or just, just something to enable us to maybe offer some help to some people in a tiny little way uh, that could just bring some, some value to their life, you know? Uh, And that was kind of the idea. And it was a, it is a great one. And the fact is there's so many cool things that said they're mostly when I hear toward the end, the just find a way to help people. That's where, and you can hear that literally in your voice. And the truth is I actually, at the time when I reached out because you were on social media, uh, and so was I not realizing that when I reached out to written home technology consultants, <laughs> written home technology consultants, that I was reaching out to you. And so it was talk about that fear and embarrassment as you brought up earlier. See, that's a part of it because that's one thing that, that I'm glad you conveyed that, that those things are fixable and solvable. Completely. This is daunting. I still stumble around Zoom. Uh, I have been taught by some of the best. I have practiced a lot. I use it all the time. Uh, I have focused on Zoom in some of the upcoming Your Message Received podcasts. And by the way, I still doubt myself to this moment that it still feels a time. Check, 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 
check again. And that's why that sense of helping people, it's one of the things I want to convey on here that all, again, all that stuff is fixable. Uh, I didn't know. I started my, what was at the time side hustle, which is now full on. Yep. I started that on the later side as, as what people will do. But the key here is, as you said, when you have people around you that are willing to help, uh, it's not daunting and you can move forward. I love the way that you led with that. And I'm curious, I'm going to move, thank you for that, right to ethos treatment. So that wanting to help people, you move into an opportunity, you're one of the founders, and then a chief growth officer situation um, is created. How did that materialize and why does it matter so much? Sure. Sure. Great. Um, so, you know, ethos treatment, uh, we are a drug and alcohol intensive outpatient uh, provider. Uh, intensive outpatient, by definition, is a, a group therapy process of, uh, you know, three, four sessions a week of, of three hours per session, uh, typically. And it was, uh, you know, we, we call me a co-founder, which is, which is very, um, you know, generous. The the true the true three guys that started Ethos mm -hmm. yeah. was uh, you know Tom Connell, Mike mm -hmm. Blanche, and Brendan Young, mm -hmm. and uh, they had had this idea for years. Uh, Mike, Tom, and Brendan have worked in the uh, substance abuse and mental health uh, world. You know, combined all three of them probably close to seventy years of experience working in that industry. Wow. And they had had this, yeah, yeah, and they're they're really good at what they do. Mm -hmm. They're really good at what they do, and so. They had had this idea several years ago to uh, start an IOP in the Philadelphia area and really to start it with, you know, the highest ethical and, and moral standards. Um, in fact, ethical is, you know, we have a set of core values that makes up ethos mm -hmm. and what each, you know, each letter stands for. And the first one is, is ethical. And so they uh, they wanted to start this, uh, start their own IOP. They'd worked for different ones throughout their careers and saw a need and, and just felt that they, they were in place in their careers to do that. So this was uh, the summer of 2017, and uh, they they reached out to me uh, again, <laughs> needing technology help. You know, I mean, these guys are they're very good at what they do. You know, which is which is providing providing that type of treatment to people and helping those people in need. Um, what they're not good at is setting up an email system, setting up a website, you know, technology stuff like that. So uh, they came to me, and this is when I I had written home. You know, again, it was still just a side hustle, and, yeah. and said, uh, you know, we'll, we'd like to bring you on, kind of as a minority co-founder. And and I said, sure, I'd be willing to do some work for them. And and uh, you know, initially it was it was literally just creating a quick website and setting up three email addresses. You know, four for one for myself. Yeah. You know, and uh, and we got started. We got started with our first office in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, and that was, you know, late 2017. And, and those guys really, you know, those guys put the blood, sweat and tears into it, you know, right. yep. and, uh, and found success and, uh, you know, started, uh, started attracting other clinicians as, as the practice grew, um, in 2018, there's an opportunity to open up a second location, uh, in the Plymouth meeting area, mm -hmm. um, that and again hiring more uh just really really top-notch clinicians uh, i can't speak enough about the quality of uh of talent and, and expertise and character that our clinicians have uh so we launched plymouth meeting in, in late 2018 and then uh as 2019 progressed uh we started eyeing up a third a third location uh right in center city um you know we, we knew we wanted a presence there and you know we we found a space uh you know, I think it's four blocks from where you live, John, or five oh, blocks from where you live. Yep. Um, 
and so we we were in the process of going through our state licensing and it got the space all set up and everything and uh and then there was this i don't know if you heard about it but there's this uh, pandemic that broke out oh i want to ask you more in regards to uh-huh, uh-huh. i sure. want to ask you more about that in regards to i would imagine one of the great parts of the way that the business model was set up is that it is intensive outpatient. So I guess there's got to be some sense of relief that we're not talking a lot of housing. And with the pandemic, that's got to help somewhat. But how are you, and that's in, from the even from the communication standpoint, how is, with the partners, with the team, how are they making things go? Sure. Sure. So, you know, we started to get together as a company in early March of this year and discussing, you know, what we were seeing in Europe with with things locking down and mm-hmm. and the the virus starting to spread throughout the US and we realized that, you know, a lockdown was probably inevitable and and even, you know, not even discussing a, a lockdown but discussing the safety of our clinicians, discussing the safety of our clients. Um, and so in early March we made the decision to uh, spin up a virtual instance um, and convert all of our clinicians and our clients over to a, you know, a virtual telehealth system, you know, HIPAA compliant yep. telehealth system. And, you know, I'm really grateful for whatever reason, you know, we, we figured it was coming, we saw it was coming and we were able to roll out our telehealth platform about a week and a half before, you know, the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. And what was beneficial to that was we were able to kind of meet with each group in person and describe what we were going to do. You know, we said, hey, listen, we're going to try this thing. We want to make sure we have the technology. We're not sure if we're going to have to use it, but let's try to use it in case we have to use it, right? We want everyone to feel comfortable. So we spent a week and I provided training for each one of the clinicians. I I jumped on some of the groups to help some of the clients and everything. And I got to say, our clinicians, again, hats off to them. They were fantastic. They were patient, um, you know, waiting for people to jump on at the right time, helping educate some folks around, you know, those little things you have to take into consideration when it comes to providing, you know, anything that could be HIPAA re- related or, or confidentiality. Of, sure. You know, if you're living in a shared space space with somebody, mm-hmm. you need to be using headphones, right? You can't just have a, have a speaker. Oh, that, I didn't know that. that. Other, okay. Well, well, sure. You know, Great. so that we want to maintain the confidentiality mm-hmm. of, of the people in group. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, things like that and educating our clients and, and overwhelmingly, everybody was, was, you know, positive on it. Everybody was compliant with it. Mm-hmm. And we just had really, really great success. You know, um, it was a learning curve. I think it's been a learning curve for, I would say our entire industry, but for, you know, every industry across the, across the globe, you know, I mean, how many people do you know that are still going into an office every day? It's, it's not that many. Uh-uh. Um, I would, I wanted to ask you in that regard. So you said, at the beginning that you had, well, you provided training, you you helped with the training and, and, and what have you, and then end with, and how many people are going into an office. So even whether or not it's HIPAA related, everybody is navigating in, in this regard. What would be one or two things that you would suggest or share based upon the ability to better communicate? with the technology, even one thing that if you say, hey, look, at the very least, do this, you'll look sound better as you're communicating. 
from a from a technology standpoint um you know i would say obviously probably one of the most important things to people right now is going to be internet connectivity and internet Mm -hmm. speed you know that's that's probably the first one first and foremost um revisit the speed if if you're if you're paying you know i i don't think a person living alone or or two people necessarily need to have a gigabit speed Mm. internet connection that high but um you know 300 megabits is probably not a bad place to start and you know what i try to do is i I try to you know have people look at okay what are some of the the costs that you might not be incurring right now as a result of not commuting right it's not hard to think about it i mean one i'm making all of my coffee at home that's a big cost saver right i'm not i'm not spending you and me both Um, totally i'm i'm drinking probably three times as much but i think that's more i think that's (laughs) more related to to having a one-year-old you know i think that's Uh, more related to having a a one-year-old and and uh challenging sleep schedules but (laughs) the internet connectivity is one but i gotta tell you something that that even i struggle with right um sometimes and maybe you know this is something i need to say out Mm -hmm. loud to hold myself accountable is turn off the other noise when I'm on a Zoom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's if it's if it's a group, if it's a it's a team meeting, a group meeting, whatever it is. But if it's more than just a one-on-one communication, uh, I need to put my phone down. Mm-hmm. You know, turn it upside down. I need to shut the other browser windows. Um, it's very very easy, and I'm I'm uh, you know a little bit of a scatterbrain type person sometimes, and I love having tons of information coming at me, you know, 24 seven. So I can have a a financial website up. I can have a news website up. I can have, you know, fun social media websites up all while I'm supposed to be on a zoom with six or seven other people or even four other people, you know? So in that instance, I'd say, you know, reduce the clutter, Mm -hmm. reduce the, 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 the data clutter, the amount of information coming at me to try and really be present, you know, try and really be present, um, you know, for the people that you're engaging with at that time. I love it. And that's one of the things. Thank God for the reminders. Just those alone. Make sure the tech's working properly, the gigabit speed if, if necessary. But that is so critical. You've seen and you probably know, and this is not outing people. And this is highly successful people that you are watching that you can visibly see distracted somehow. And one of the things that I'm realized that I keep getting reminded, which is that sense of presence, which you just said, it's got it. Look, as, as you said earlier, not many people are going into the office. Any in-person thing is a production and often just avoided at this point. So how can you be present? Put the technology away. Put the, Turn the phone upside down, if I heard you correctly. You know, reduce the clutter. Look at the top and look into the camera so that it at least gives the impression that you're looking at the person. I think that part is great, man. And as I said, I would think... Anybody trying to present professional or personally, you would want to be as present as you were able. And I love that as well, too. And I really appreciate that. You bring up from a personal side um, the father as I've, in terms of the sleep schedule and the one-year-old. How is Will? Will is fantastic. He is living his best life. Uh, eating, eating meatballs two at a time. Oh you know, my God! Pasta, I hand over night. fist. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, encourage uh, anybody to to look for us on social media at the hashtag uh, hashtag Willadelphia. That's my uh, shameless little plug. You can you can follow a lot of our adventures there. But he's great. He's thriving. He's uh, he's a maniac. You know, he's hmm. beyond walking. He's running everywhere. Uh, every day it seems like there's a new word or two that he's learning mm. and, uh, we're just, we're having fun, you know, we're, we're rough housing and we're wrestling and, and, uh, it's just, uh, it's great. In fact, 
you know, sappy sentimental moment. Uh, realized uh so you know i don't know if you normally advertise the date of the the taping of this but today is mm-hmm. is october 30th mm-hmm. uh it was two years ago today that we found out we were pregnant and oh. uh as you know we had we had a, a pretty lengthy fertility mm-hmm. journey you know yeah. of about four years to mm. four years to get to that phone call you know of, of and, and and my wife she was in texas i remember she was on a mm-hmm. business trip in texas she had to go to a to a clinic down in texas to take the test and and she got the phone call and, and she FaceTimed me, which is really out of character. Mm-hmm. She normally doesn't FaceTime mm-hmm. me. And and because the journey had been kind of rocky and, and hard, you know, over those couple of years for, you know, unfortunately, I think I expected it to just be a, a, a bad phone call, a negative, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I remember I answered, I answered the FaceTime and she just said, are you ready to be a daddy? You know, and I'm, I'm choking up right now. I mean, I mean, oh. I, I burst into tears. I burst mm. into tears. Greatest phone call I've ever received in my life, you know? Mm. So uh, amazing to think, you know, and then that started a whole new set of fears, right? Mm. Really, really good fears, but oh my God, I'm going to be a father. And now here we are, you know, two years later from that day, uh, we have a 16 month old, healthy, uh, fun, loving. It's, it's Meatball, amazing. Golf loving. Oh my gosh. And uh, I'll back up the shameless plug. Get on hashtag Willadelphia. Ha- get on it. <laughs> so as I said, oh, and by the way, and I can't show the visual, and I'm bummed about that. The costume with that I thought was the Michelin tire, but obviously I, I need to work on my cartoons. Um, sure. Please, what was that? So this year, this year for Halloween, it's uh, the best. It is. So I kind of well. You know, I, I was pretty proud of last year's, but um, I, I kind of get into the Halloween thing. I really enjoy That's it. Awesome. And so uh, I figure I got probably about 10 years of, of doing dual costumes with him before, you nice. know, he'll he'll be too cool to, to dress up with dad. So <laughs> this year uh, I got myself a rather elaborate uh, <gasps> Dr. Peter Venkman Ghostbusters oh. costume. And oh. then Will is the uh, we found a uh, a you know, 18 month old stay puffed marshmallow man <laughs> costume. So, uh, Oh my God. It's great. It's great. He, you're right. When he doesn't have the little hat on, mm-hmm. he certainly does look like the Michelin man. So I, that, that's a pretty easy, uh, easy mistake to oh, make. But yeah. So we're uh ghostbuster and stay puffed. It's beautiful. Let me ask you, man. So in terms of, as you said, you probably got about 10 issues and stuff like that. And I'll, and I'll defer to you on that. I'll, not being a dad, I'll, I'll trust you totally on that. What would you think in terms of, for, like, how, how do you hope to shape Will's voice to help him to express himself? What are some of the things that you look forward to in that regard? Uh, that's a great question. Honesty. Mm. Honesty is probably the thing that I want to mm. convey to him the most. Um, is to, to be honest, uh, perhaps most importantly, be honest with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. First and foremost, mm-hmm. I think if you can't be honest with yourself, it's hard to be honest with others, um, to, to speak up, to use his voice, you know, mm-hmm. to go back to ethos, I kind of mentioned, uh, I mentioned those core values and one yeah. being represented in each letter and the S stands for speak up, mm-hmm. you know, say anything, say something, you know, and that's, that's part of our corporate culture that we try to, to really instill with, you know, not only the, the founders, but also all the clinicians right. is to, to speak up, you know, contribute. If you have an idea, let us know about that. If you have a criticism, let us know about that. You know, so I think to, to use that voice uh, is something I really want to encourage Will. Um, at the same time, you know, I was I was taught a long time ago that uh, somebody had said to me, honesty without compassion is brutality. 
Mm. You know, and uh, and I think that's a really valuable thought to have. You know, especially when it comes to really deep interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. You know that that you know some of the the best relationships I have, including with you. You know, John, mm-hmm. you and I, we have had some very honest conversations where we've said things to one another that would be tough to say to somebody. Yep. But we say it with compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, we say it with compassion. I think anybody can be. I think it's easier to be blunt and brutal and, you know, not, not empathetic, not taking into, into consideration, you know, how the words we use are going to affect somebody. It's still important to be honest, you know, and deliver your honesty. But I think that the messaging you use um, to show that my honesty is a product of me caring about you, you know, and that's, that's what I would like to, you know, hopefully instill uh, into Will as he gets older. I think that's so awesome, and I and and yeah. I'm getting like almost choked up as well too, being lucky to know the journey. It an early part of what you just said, and thanks for that, by the way. Um, all of it, and you're right, you're right. Uh, well, let me go to the end first, which is there is a gift that you and I have, and in regards to friendship and a lot of other things, and one of the benefits of that gift is that ability, for me at least, to be a little less fearful so I can say things a little bit more directly. I may take a while to get there, but I get there because of someone like you, because of the compassion. And I can think of a million of examples of what you just said in terms of those, for the love of God. I can think of something. We I, I, I brought up Big Sur Marathon, which, by the way, yeah. is running virtually tomorrow. So nice. for those of you in Chestnut Hill, including you and your family, what do I want? A water table. I need oh, seven, <laughs> um, oh cheering stands um, and, and, a med, and a med bench as well. So, um, But I remember having that conversation as it related to weight, and I remember where we were, and I remember the, and mostly, mostly what I remember uh, was the compassion. See, because you hear that. You hear it, but even better, you feel it. And that's in person, Zoom, by phone, what have you. And that comes from you a million fold. Um, folks, I'd say a couple more things. Oh, my God, the least I can say and do. But honestly, just a couple more things in terms of just helping people. Garth is one of the people. I had no idea what Achilles International was. Although. Mm. I ran past a lot of people in green shirts for a lot of days and had no clue as to what was going on until you were involved. And we brought up the running, and uh, and then I thought of Achilles. And I was going to yeah. say, what pulled you there? Yeah. So uh, Achilles is is wonderful, and that's, that's definitely one of the things that uh, – I miss the most, you know, our, our yeah, workouts were halted yeah. from the pandemic and yeah. some folks are getting back together and, mm-hmm. and just my schedule with the little guy, but, um, Achilles international is an international organization mm-hmm. originally started out in New York city, parent chapter or headquarters in New York city started by a gentleman by the name of Dick Trom. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick, uh, had a leg amputation earlier in life and, mm-hmm. and without going into the whole, the whole story, which is a phenomenal story. And you can, right. of course you can Google this and look it up, but mm-hmm. Achilles International is it's an international nonprofit organization aimed at helping, uh, athletes, uh, perform uh, specifically athletes with with disabilities or, or differently abled athletes uh, so 
at the time, uh, this was, well, I think it was about eight years ago. I worked for a major insurance company uh, in Philadelphia area, uh, mm-hmm. Cigna, who was a large corporate sponsor of Achilles International. And a coworker of mine had heard about this organization. She was a runner and I just gotten into running and they do a, uh, they do a run every year up in New York city around central park called the hopes and possibilities. And it's a, it's a five mile run. And uh, she said, you know, would you like to, would you like to participate in this? And I said, sure. She said, you know, you have to, you have to be able to guide uh, a disabled athlete. And uh, that, that disability, a lot of our athletes are visually impaired, you know, blind runners. Hmm. Uh, we do have uh, athletes with, with various different disabilities, amputees, things like that. And so uh, I, I said, sure, I'd love to do this. And she said, well, how fast could you run five miles? And I said, well, I could do eight minute mile, which I'm nowhere near that you know, these oh, days, God's but sake. I wouldn't know what that was like ever, but anyway, totally, I totally. So I, I worked really hard and I trained and I trained and I, you know, I got myself to where I knew I, I felt comfortable. I could run, you know, five, eight minute miles. Mm-hmm. And we go up to New York central park and they, they put me with, uh, me and three other guides. They put me with this woman. Um, she was a little bit older than me, you know, early thirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she had a walker with her. And, uh, what we found out is that she had actually been a triathlete and two years prior, while training on her bicycle, she got hit by a truck uh, mm. up in New Hampshire. And she was told she would never walk again. And uh, she didn't like that. And so she worked She worked hard for two years. And so we did We did a five-mile race in New York City uh, with her, with her walker. We did 19-minute miles. And, uh, you know, coming down the, the finish stretch, uh, all of us crying. You know, mm. just unbelievable emotional. Mm. We came back from that trip. And uh, my coworker, Melissa, said, I, I want to start a Philadelphia chapter. I think we could do this here. And we did that. And so we uh, we started, and Melissa and, and a bunch of others, uh, Pat and, and uh, you know, Greg and folks, did a lot of hard work. And we started a thing where we meet every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Uh, we have athletes of all abilities, uh, all, all different abilities. Uh, my, the guy that I run with the most is this guy, Bruce. Yeah. Bruce is uh, in his 70s. He's legally blind, uh, you know two months before his 70th birthday, Bruce and I ran the New York city marathon, you know, which is amazing, you know, amazing. We've done, I don't know how many half marathons and other races. And, and what's great about Achilles is it really changed running for me because I didn't start running until later in life. I was, I was 31 when I started running and we started doing Achilles when I was around 32, 33. And very quickly for me, running suddenly became about me about my time, about how fast I could go, about my goals, me, me, me. Mm -hmm. And it still can be sometimes, you know, you and I, we've both done a a handful of marathons. It's it's great to set Mm -hmm. a goal and work a plan. And there's, there's a real sense of achievement to that. But when I started running with Achilles, it made me realize I'm, I'm participating with folks that might not be able to run at all Mm. without the help of somebody like myself, without the help of a guide, you know, or or certainly not participate in, in a race because there's, there's a a lot of other factors that come into play when you're you're talking about a large race with safety and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like we talked about earlier, right. If I take the focus off of me, if I put the focus maybe on trying to just help somebody, Mm -hmm. I end up getting more of the benefit. It seems, you know, I get the enrichment and the enjoyment and, and the friendships of, I've made through Achilles is fantastic. So I encourage anybody listening to this to check out Achilles International. Uh, certainly in the Philadelphia area, we have a big Facebook presence. Uh, Philly Achilles, you can find us on there. Uh, real, real special thing to me. Oh, I love it, folks. When I publish the podcast, I will also put this on my blog, which I've started to do now. And so one of the things that where that benefits is these links will all be available. Achilles 
Ethos Treatment Center. Yeah, Philadelphia too, absolutely. That to me seems just as important. But those links will be there so that you can learn more. One more question for you, man, uh, which is this. Uh, would you mind reading for me? Sure. Here's a uh, So we have a mutual friend. He happens to be an accomplished author. He is a podcast host, um, avid golf, not just enthusiast, expert, and as I said, Best-selling author, his name is Tom Coyne, wrote a book. One of the books that he has written uh, is called a, call, a Course Called Scotland. There is a sentimental part of that book simply because my friend Garth Reed happens to have a part in that book. Um, and because to wrap up, it's that sense of helping people comes through your voice. That compassion, to me, comes through all the time, which is why I, folks, I did an audition for a golf product. And the person I contacted to help me say it properly was Garth Reed. And I'm like, hey, I gotta, I, I'm in a commercial audition for a golf thing. How do I say this? And it was you. Um, that was for the technical purposes. But what I left out, it's the emotion that I hear in your voice. Um, even if you read a couple of sentences, I want people to hear your voice before we fade. Sure. Great. Thanks, John. On the drive home, sports radio was abuzz with news of Rory's firing in 80 in the Irish Open at Royal County Down, a tournament he was hosting in his home country and was favored to win. Golf was hard. I never delighted in another golfer's struggles, but the news did make me feel a little brighter about the 72 I'd shot with nine clubs. It would be no consolation to Rory, but his 80 wasn't the biggest story in golf that day. 99 at Buckpool should have been grabbing the headlines. At the start of Garth's trip, I would have bet money I didn't have on his not sniffing 100 on the Scottish links. <laughs> so 99 was a reminder. Garth's never quitting. His carding a 130 in competition. His coming on this trip at all. They were all reminders of the idea that had gotten me over here in the first place. Hmm. Hmm. So first off, from a voice standpoint, it's beautiful. Uh, but secondly, it's a great sum up of the never giving up, the helping people, to being prepared technically, to the asking for help, and just being ready. And from a business standpoint, they're just a few of the attributes that sum up my friend Garth Reed. And Garth, thanks for being a part of this today. Honest to God, you just made it great for me. Thanks so much, John. It was a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon, buddy. Oh, my God. I can't wait. So, folks, thanks so much for tuning in to Your Message Received. Again, you will find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a bunch of other places. And we can't wait to share more. So keep coming back. And this is John Duffin, Duffin Media. Yeah, we'll run your voiceovers to the finish. And we will keep hammering out this content as well, too. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Your Message Received. And we'll talk soon. And now, making its way across the finish line, your message received has been a production of Duffin Media.